Philippians chapter 3. Think often about uh, how um, our our inner man affects uh, the people we're around. Uh, how we're feeling about life and how we um, express that to the people around us. How that affects them. And sometimes we look at uh, the struggles that we have and the attitudes that we carry and we find ourselves out of control to con- we don't have any effect on that we feel like we uh, it's already determined for us whether we're going to have a good day or a bad day uh unfortunately that's not true but it it, it feels that way and what happens and we, we all know this i'm just stating the obvious uh, the identifying the elephant in the room um that uh when I am joyless, when I have a bad attitude, when I am uh, complaining about my life, that affects everyone that is around me. It affects my wife. It affects my kids. Um, it Many times, those of you who have larger families, you, you know when a bug hits your family, right? Uh, and one person has it, and then the rest get to enjoy it as well. Uh, in the days going forth from that. And in our passage, uh, the book that we're studying, the book of Philippians, it's a book of joy. It's a book of an encouragement towards joy. Um, and we start out the, the third chapter, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And then it quickly goes into this conversation about bragging and boasting about what we do and clinging to Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning as we're looking at God's Word uh, to remember that joy is a command that we are to pursue in the Lord. It's a command. And there's things that are going to get in the way of our obedience. And one of those things we studied last week, we're going to study this week and probably two more weeks. Uh, this idea that we think well of ourselves, that we think great of ourselves. Um, many of you have uh, struggled, as I have, probably all of us to some degree, of what to do with our sins. Now, uh, when, when you think of your sins, uh, even me mentioning that make you feel it makes you feel guilty, right? Makes you feel guilty. And so, what do you do about the guilt of your sins? Well, there's uh, when you think of the past, a lot of times we can put those into piles of guilt of sin that we have done, and then bitterness of things that others have done to us that we mark and. We bring up over and over again. Maybe it's your parents, your upbringing. Maybe it's someone who did you wrong. A lot of times in a church setting, uh, we quickly go to, ah, there was this one day in this one church. And the reason I, you know, and, and you have a, a specific instant. That's bitterness, by the way. When we hold on to those things, that's bitterness. And we take the guilt and we take the bitterness and we say, well, I can't, I can't get past it. And that's part of the reason we don't have the joy that God's designed for us. We can't. And so uh, this morning, we're really talking about the best wrong answer for that. The best wrong answer. 
the answer that won't work. And you say, why are you talking about the wrong answer? Well, Paul describes it in the, in the text this morning. But this is how we do it. You know, we, we, we're sinners. We feel the guilt and shame of our own sin and the things that have gone on in the past. And we know we got to do something about it. We know we got to do something about it. So, so what do we do? We, we either do one of two things. We either say, I don't care and sin doesn't matter, which we know is not true. Uh, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that's not true, that sin doesn't matter. Or the second thing uh, that really the wrong answer we're going to focus on today is we think that we can somehow compensate for the sins of the past by doing something great or being something great. That we're going to somehow wipe out the sins of the past by working really hard on it. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, you can. I really want you to think this morning. Maybe some of those tendencies of your own heart, of where you go when that guilt comes. Um, the, really, the the term that is found in the scripture is this idea of works. We're going to work our way out of it. You know, I did some bad things. I'm going to do, now do some good things. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to take my kids to church. I'm going to give money. I'm going to go work and somehow be awesome so that God will somehow be impressed with me and forget about and look over and see better the sins of the past. And somehow that that would relieve the guilt of my soul. And I, I want to tell you, for those of you who've been here before, grace is sometimes hard for us to take. Uh, it's what we're talking about this morning. Grace is hard for us to take. The, the fact that gift that comes from Jesus. It's not a result of works, lest any man should boast. Right? Uh, it's, it's hard for us to take because it's not about us doing it. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you our passage for this morning. I want to start reading in verse 1, um, chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write uh, the same things to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship uh, by the Spirit of God and, the glory, and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as uh, to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection may share in his sufferings and become like becoming like him in his death 
that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. God, thank you for this morning, and Lord, I ask that your word would go forth in us and through us and change us. May you take out the old bad ideas that we cling to, and may we let them go, and may we embrace your gospel, your truth, your message in the book of Philippians. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, uh, Paul, uh, some of the wording in here is very uncomfortable to me as I, uh, as I read it, uh, because he starts out uh, in our passage, we, we kind of in the middle of this study, uh, but he warned uh, them not to give in to those who are wanting to make them like Jews uh, in, in Philippi. Um, and we looked last week and we really saw the, the idea of glorying in Christ Jesus in verse 3 and putting no confidence in the flesh. And it's there where we pick up this morning in verse 4. He says, though I myself have reason... Uh, for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he's speaking to his readers, and he's basically saying, I'm the best. I have the greatest credentials. Um, and for us, you know, for us, I don't know if you compare yourself with people. Uh, I do know if you compare yourself with people, you do. Uh, but uh, we have a tendency towards that, and we uh, all uh, play the comparison game, and we uh, we like to find where we rank. Maybe some of you did that this morning as you came in, uh, and you are figuring out where you rank here at Bear Valley Church. Um, th- this idea of comparison, we all find ourselves doing that. And Paul says, it, when you compare, all who have those good works, those things that they could brag about or boast about, I have more. I have more. And so, uh, kind of to begin our passage, uh, Paul's the best at boasting. He's the best at it. Uh, And he finds uh, more confidence in the idea that nobody beats him when it comes to boasting about who he is, his background, and his accomplishments. Um, As we look at that, we realize that sounds incredibly proud and repulsive, and it's meant to, it's meant to, um, you realize that when you brag and boast, especially about spiritual things, how out of place that is, and how uh, for those who are spiritual, it's repulsive, and it kind of like even scares us that we would think any person is great when it comes to spiritual things. And so uh, we're left with really three, uh, three boasts that we can have. One is really not found in our passage this morning, but I'm going to talk about it. And then the other takes the bulk of our time. And then we're going to end with the last one, which is really the place where we should boast. The first one is boasting in sin. And I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, if... If you're feeling guilty about your sins, if you you have to do something about that. And one of the ways that people handle 
uh, the guilt of their sin is they just embrace it and try to make it seem like it's not that bad. It's not really an issue. They, uh, if you skip down in uh, chapter 3, if you look down at verse 19, look down at verse 19, and we'll, we'll get there in three or four or five, six months. Um, we'll, we'll get there. But uh, it, it talks about this person who's, who's really bragging about what they should be ashamed of. Uh, this picture of glorying in their shame. Uh, it, this is perfected in high school and college, right? Uh, those years where you, you have um, you have kids coming to school on Monday and they go, dude, this weekend was so crazy. I was so wasted this weekend. And, and they're not saying, I'm so embarrassed for the way I've acted. They're glorying in their shame. They're, they're taking something that is a sin and they're saying, I'm awesome because of it. Others would do the same thing with being greedy and making money just to make money. And the idea of maybe even a business deal, taking the other person. It, it can come in all kinds of different forms where someone looks at their sin and then begins to brag about it, somehow trying to uh, calm their own soul that it's not that bad. In fact, that it's something that you can be good at. I have been greedy. I have been dirty. I have been drunk. That picture of glorying in their shame. Maybe that's how some of us are dealing with our, our sins of the past and maybe even the sins of the present. That we like to joke about them. We like to uh, make light of them and find others that would be impressed and have the same flavors of sin. And then we talk about them together and we joke about how superior we are because of our sin. I, I, I know that even as I share that in a uh, place like this, it's obvious that that does nothing to, to calm and to fix the sin problem of your soul. Obvious. But some people do it. Paul did not do that. Paul, that was not Paul's method. Paul had a different method. He didn't boast in his sin. He was boasting in himself. Boasting in himself. And we come uh, upon this passage uh, as we look at, he's going to bring us a list starting in verse 5 of why he has reason to boast. Why he's okay with God. Why uh, he would be right with him and somehow that God would be impressed with him. And he lists out for us really two groups of things uh, that are impressive when it comes to uh, being good in the eyes of God. And these all connect with being Jewish or uh, following God's chosen people of the Old Testament. And they they all connect with this. And so as we look at this this morning, it may be difficult for us who, who maybe don't think in those terms, but just think, if uh, we were Jewish, how impressive this list would be to us as we looked at what Paul was boasting. The, the first section of things that he lists, the first three things that he lists, um, are 
of his boasting self is birth privilege, birth, birth privilege. And um, these are things that he got by being born into the family that he was born into. He got this from his parents and they're uh, both just being born into his parents' family, but also in his upbringing. We don't get to choose the home that we're uh, brought up in, right? We may be able to choose later in life, uh, but those things are left uh, to our parents as well as just the plan of God being worked out. The first thing he says, he says, circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, if you look back to the book of uh, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 12, that this is outlined, this idea of being circumcised. If you have a male-born son, that he was to be circumcised, and specifically on the eighth day. On the eighth day. Um, and others didn't think this was a big deal. And uh, even Jews, some, some Jews said, well, it doesn't really matter, eighth day, twelfth day, fifteenth day. Three months down the road, whatever, whatever. It just doesn't matter. You're just supposed to be circumcised. And others, others too, especially outside of being Jewish, they said, oh, we're not going to do that at all. That, that, that means nothing to us. Paul is highlighting, Paul's highlighting that his family listened to God's command in the Old Testament for them to be, for him to be circumcised and not just circumcised whenever, but on the eighth day, just as prescribed by God. My family listened to God. That's what Paul's saying here. And I was the, the, the beneficiary. I was the one who was brought up right. I was given that opportunity. That was my privilege given to me by my parents that I was circumcised on the eighth day. And saying this, I belong to the covenant people of God. I am one of the promised ones. He's making it clear to them that he was. He starts off, uh, let me tell you about how great I am. Let me tell you about my list that I would put confidence in. I am one of God's covenant people. I am one of the promised ones. He goes on to describe this more and says this, I am of the people of Israel. Um, it may sound like redundant to say this and even the next one, but he, he says this, the the privileges that come with being God's special people, I have. I have. I am one of God's people. And it, which brings us to the next one. Uh, he says, of the tribe of Benjamin. Of the tribe of Benjamin. And as you look at this, uh, some of you know about this. Some people know where their family name comes from. You know, they've gone on uh, Ancestry.com and they uh, track it back. And, and others don't care, right? And others don't care. And they say, hey, I came from, I knew where my parents were, but other than that, I don't know. Um, why would this have been a big deal? Well, Paul didn't just know that he was uh, raised as, you know, as he was an Is Israelite. He knew the exact tribe he came from. And that particular tribe being the tribe that the first king came from. Remember King Saul. And so this was a big deal. And so this is out of the tribes, maybe not the greatest, but Paul knew that his tribe was a special tribe and he knew which one he came from. 
this was a treasure in their family, their, their family lineage and, and, and where they came from, and that it was connected with the plan of God. And as uh, we, we see uh, the last thing he says in this privilege that came from his birth is this, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Meaning that uh, they were raised, his family, he was raised as a Hebrew. He, he spoke Hebrew, probably Aramaic too, and maybe other languages. But in the home, they were Jewish. They ate Jewish food. They, they went through uh, the, the customs, both uh, circumcision and everything after that. It, it was that in the home, he was not raised as a secular person. He was raised as one of God's people. And so as he lays this out, he says, even in my youngest days, I, I had the upbringing that said, this is a great guy. This will be a great man because of his upbringing, because of where he comes from, because of his family line and where, uh, what portion or tribe he comes from. And because of the way his parents uh, taught him uh, that w- what it is to be Jewish. Which Paul adds to, and now he talks about his personal achievements, personal achievements. And this is, Uh, the decisions that he made. This wasn't about his parents' decisions. This was now about his. And I want to encourage you to to think about the role of certificates and trophies in your life. About degrees and uh, accomplishments. Because uh, it's always nice to win. It's always nice to get a trophy. It's always nice to accomplish a goal. But what happens a lot of times is we, we put those things on our desk. We put those plaques on our wall. We, we take those trophies from high school and we place them in our living room. Don't do that, by the way. And if you do do that, uh, when I come over, don't show them to me, okay? <laughs> this is my second place trophy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was really awesome that year. I should have won first, but, uh, you know, bad call. You know, it's unfair. Um, trophies and certificates and degrees and uh, acknowledgments, those things are dangerous for us. And, and I think you know why. Because they cause us to think that we're great because of them. Because I did this, I'm better than everyone else. And because I did this, there's worth in me because of it. And and remember, um, what's difficult for us is that we compare ourselves to one another. You know, I won, you lost. I I accomplished this, you didn't. Okay? We compare ourselves to one another. And then we we kind of think that that, holds weight in our relationship to God. That we say, well, God, didn't you see I I won first place? Didn't you see I got the certificate? Didn't you see I'm better than anyone else? And this is what Paul is laying out. This is what he is boasting about. As you see this, this now comes to this personal achievements. 
And Paul screaming out, for example, I won the award. I won. He first talks about the law that he he lived as a Pharisee, as a Pharisee. Um, the idea of being a, a Pharisee, as you look through the New Testament, they were the group that was the most strict when it came to the law. They, they were not, you know, they were the conservatives of the day, right? They weren't making it up what it said or whatever. They were like, what does it say? We, we'll take great pains to be strict about our uh, interpretation of this and even sometimes going further in fear that we would somehow be missing the point. The Pharisees. Taking God's law and, in, and living in such a way that was super strict, thinking that they would win a place before God. Um, some of us struggle with that, right? Maybe not to the law, but to the scriptures. And, and we, uh, we say, well, I just want to be strict about everything. And if I'm strict, somehow that will mean that I'm better. And that somehow God will be impressed with how strict I am when it comes to the way I live. Paul says, as to the law, Pharisee. As to the law, Pharisee. The second thing he, he says in this list of personal achievements, he says, as to zeal, the persecutor of the church. That seems so weird to me to put in when he, He's writing to the church at Philippi, right? And uh, the history of Paul would have been known, right? That he was a persecutor of the church and now he's trying to establish churches. And how does that all go together? And, and Paul says, when it comes to being a Jew, uh, he wasn't just a Jew who studied the Scripture and had strict adherence for himself. What did he do? He demanded that everybody else had strict adherence. So much so, with such zeal. Now, um, it's interesting. So, so maybe, maybe this will be helpful. Maybe it won't be, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, some of you are involved in politics. And when I say involved in politics, you, you study up on things. You study up on things. You, you watch the news. You, you, know, you read things. and So you want to be uh, one who's known uh, about the, the issues. And then there are others of you who are zealous about it, right? You're zealous about it. You're, uh, I have this one friend, he's an unbeliever, and uh, he, he, I think he spends his whole day on Facebook uh, arguing with people he doesn't know. It's exciting to be him. I mean, uh, uh, and, and you think about that and you say, well, th that's the difference between just knowing things, but being zealous for it. Zealous for it. As you think about what Paul's sharing right now, he says, as for zeal, a persecutor of the church. And I just want to say this. Paul was wrong. He was wrong. But he was zealous. He was zealous. No one questioned whether Paul thought that being a Jew was best. You know why? Because he was a persecutor of the church. His, he woke up in the morning, he, he said to himself, how can I kill the church today? You know, what, what can I do? Who can I throw in prison? Who can I have stoned? How, who can I somehow participate in, in 
getting rid of this church, this assembly of people who are chasing after this Jesus. How can I be? You know, he was zealous. He was not half-hearted when it came to his faith and his belief uh, that it is best to be Jewish. And then uh, as he comes to, um, lastly, he says, uh, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Once again, reiterating, uh, I was the top of my class. There was no one better. Uh, the, the idea of being blameless is the idea that, that no one could point to his life and say he didn't believe what he was practicing. He's blameless. It's not that he never did anything wrong, but it was this picture that, that everybody knew that he was a, a follower of the ways of Jewishness. This idea that that the things that were Jewish, that he was righteous in them. Blameless. Now, that was, in generic terms, the list that Paul could have clung to, was boasting in, and others boasted in. And if we were Jewish here this morning, we, we would be impressed. We'd be impressed. We would say, we would put him up as a model for us as a gathering. This is what it looks like to be Jewish. This is what we can aspire to. This is what impresses God. That's what we could have pointed to. We could have pointed to Paul. And if you would see this list apart from the context that we're in, that's what you would think is that Paul's bragging. And you would think that he's saying, be like me. But what does he say? Verse 7, and I, I just titled this last point here, Boast in Christ. But whatever gain I had, I count or counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain that I had, and, and he's expanding that out. He, he gave some very important ones that people would have saw both in his privilege of being born, but also in the things that he accomplished, personal achievements. And now he looks at those and he says, I, I look at those, those things that are gain and other things that might have been a gain. And I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ. To be a follower of Jesus it cannot be, it cannot be, listen very carefully, it cannot be our privilege because of our birth. And it cannot be the things that we've accomplished. It can't be. You can't be a follower of Christ saved by Him if your confidence is in your family history and the things that you we're going to uh, look at these things in the next few weeks. And I'd encourage you to come uh, with uh, an open heart that God would continue to teach you. This is, for some of us, is a big adjustment. Uh, we, we've grown up being really proud of the things that we've done. And Paul's saying, let go of them. Let go of them, as I have had to. He considered them loss. The wins are to 
be considered a loss. And as he's going to give us in the verses to come, that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's worth more. Um, we uh, we do that when we clean our house, right? You're going through your house. Maybe you're moving. I, I can't imagine, you know, the moving thing, right? Some of you have lived in your house for a very long time. And I'm not saying you're pack rats and stuff, but, um, and, and you go through things. You go through things. And, and a lot of times you have to look at things and you say, what's it worth? What's it worth? And if I have to choose between this and this, which one will I choose? For Paul, as he looked at all the accomplishments, all the privilege he had, and Jesus says, I can't keep them both. I will choose Jesus. I'll find my worth in him. I want to give you four, uh, three warnings this morning, just tying our time up together. Um, and hopefully these warnings will be ones that will be helpful as we process through uh, this idea of our own list and our own heart, the things that we cling to. The first one is that we should be warned not to compare ourselves to other sinners. Not compare ourselves to other sinners. And when I say other sinners, even the best of other sinners, right? Uh, sometimes we, we love the comparison. We love the idea of, of having someone around us to tell us where we are and what, what's going on. I want to tell you that Paul said, I'm the best, and it's still not worth it. And so the idea of comparing ourselves one to another, that's a bad deal. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, that's why... Um, it's so dangerous uh, to live in community sometimes, right? Uh, we, we see people's homes and we say, oh, their home's better than mine, or my home's better than theirs, or their car, or their kids, or their spouse, or their job, or, or their find it. Like, we just, we have this drive to compare ourselves, and yet that comparison won't help us when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. That we would be warned not to compare ourselves with other sinners. Secondly, um, that we would be warned not to forget, um, not to forget that God was showing us grace in His Son Jesus, right? That grace is what this is all about. When you when you find yourself to be guilty, when you find yourself to be not enough, it it's the grace that God was wanting to give. He wasn't giving us a list of works that we would somehow work our way out of the sins that we've committed. Now, let, let me tell you, let me tell you. Um, you might have some bad ideas from your upbringing. I don't know your mom and dad. Maybe some of you I do. But, but there's uh, different forms of this works salvation that can be in any and every church or religion. This is what separates the true gospel from everything else. Some of you, you know, well, you've been baptized. You've been sprinkled. And then some of you said, well, yeah, that, that's not the way to go. That's not what the Bible teaches. I shouldn't have been sprinkled. I should have been dunked. And some of you, you know, you're, you're just collecting them, right? I was sprinkled. I was dunked. I was a member of this church. I was a member of that church. You think about even different religions, and uh, we've had um, bizarre uh, and anti-Christ uh, attacks over the last years, and maybe much longer if you'd study history. But there are some religions that, in zeal, 
uh, they would say to, to become part of the army, to fight Christianity, you, you realize that there's, there's people who believe that. And I just want to tell you that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about God extending to you grace, not works, grace for your sins, that they can be forgiven. And then I, I want to warn you also against clinging to, to anything, to anything in place of Jesus. Cling to anything in place of Jesus. It should be the conversation that we have. It should be the deflection of praise, right? Someone says, oh, you're a great person. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not a great person. In fact, if you knew me, and the things that I've thought of and the things that I've done in the past, the things I struggle with today, you'd know the only way for me to get into heaven through the grace of Jesus, that he's the only thing that I will be clinging to. There's a danger, there's a warning for us to cling to anything in place of Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you for this morning and uh, the blessing of being before your word and in these weeks, as we go through this uh, important section, God, I ask that you would challenge us, that we would not think in terms of how great we are and what we've accomplished and where we've come from, but that we would just cling to Jesus. Who He was as He came to this earth and who He is today, the, the, the sacrifice that He made for sinners and that He is the only way to be settled in our soul. Settled in our soul. Right with You. God, as Paul uh, was willing to let go of all those other things, may we also be willing to let go of those things. And to glory, uh, glory in Christ Jesus. God, thank You for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank You so much for being here today. I will see you next week.